Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. Welcome again to BCC, and uh, I'm so excited about this new series, uh, Great Expectations. Um, I was sitting in my office, and I was just thinking, God, where are we in our journey? And I just was thinking through what our series should be, and I just felt God, just, it just sort of encapsulated where we are as a church. And God has spoken to us frequently and often in this church over the last few years, and we are experiencing his incredible provision to us individually and as, as a church. Uh, and to, to explore this a bit further is a, is a great privilege. So this morning we're starting this series, and for the first time ever, this series, the Christmas December series, is actually going to run right into January. Because ex- our great expectations don't stop on December the 25th or January the 1st. They actually kickstart. So this year, this Christmas, as we invite people to be involved in our program, you watch what could happen. You watch. I, I think God is not... He's not boring and dusty, and he's not given up his interest in humanity. He's absolutely driving his kingdom agenda through our communities. And we are his people, and he has called us by name. We're his people. We are called by name. Individually, we are called. And his inspiration in our lives is going to change the lives of many other people. And at times you may feel, how could I possibly make a difference? But you do, and God trusts you. He's got a great, I'm looking around and some of you are not convinced. <laughs> You're like, me? Really me? I can make it? Yes, you can. It doesn't matter where you are, the marketplace you're in, the environment you work in during the week. It actually doesn't matter. In fact, if anything, it does matter because your environment is where God wants to bring a great expectation. And we'll see as we look at this series, and this morning's more of an introduction. And in fact, I've called it Setting Expectations because um, when God sets expectations, um, amazing, amazing things happen. And, and so often we get ourselves into difficult sp- uh, situations because we have the wrong expectation. We have the wrong expectation. Um, you know, it's interesting. While I was preparing this, I started to get really excited because I was thinking about this. We form expectations about everything. Did you know that? We form an expectation about absolutely everything. In fact, we form an expectation about everybody. Did you know that? And the more... You think to yourself, well, actually, no, you know, does this relate? Yes, it does. Everybody in this room and everybody you know is full of expectations. They're either good ones or bad ones. Um, they may, well, we'll explore it a bit further, but um, great expectations actually come from great experiences. Did you know that? There's a big link between having a great experience and having a great expectation. If you've had a bad experience, you probably will have a bad expectation of something. Now, this is really important. This is probably the biggest thing I'm going to say this morning, and we're going to cover a few points, but the thread this morning is if we change our experience and have a good experience, we'll have a great expectation. We actually have to do something. We can't just be um, passive. Um, God sets expectations for us, but we set expectations for ourselves and for others around us. We set it. We are in control of our environment so often, sometimes we're not, and that's where the pressure comes in. But if we change our experience, we will have new expectations. 
if we change our experience. We have to change our experience. We have to change something. To have great expectations, sometimes you've got to have a, a, a change in the way you look at a situation or a person. You have to. And if your expectations, your outlooks, your outlook right now is a little bit negative, a little bit bleak, a little bit down, a little bit no hope, if that's where you are, then something needs to change because God's given you everything to have a great expectation. And that's what we're going to explore. You know, I um, heard about a woman called Mabel and she was talking on the phone for about half an hour. And, uh, and then she hung up and her husband said, Mabel, what's wrong? You're only on the phone for half an hour. You're normally on for an hour. And she said, oh, it was the wrong number. And uh, 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 who knows that kind of experience in their household? Or was it just me? <laughs> the good old days when there was no mobile phone and, and, and you had the one phone. Remember that? And the one phone always had the one person on it. And there was always a great expectation. You had to wait an hour for something to happen. Anyway, praise God, it's changed. We've all got mobile phones. Anyway, so the first aspect of this, I'm going to get myself into hot water. I sense it. I'm still paying the price from last Sunday, let me tell you. We finished the series and I promise I wouldn't go there. Uh, Anyway, sorry, those listening on podcasts, you don't know what I'm talking about. You'll have to listen to the previous end of last series, Movement and Multiplication 3, to have a hint about that conversation. So the first thing in setting expectations is this, that God uh, gives anticipation. Having a God-given anticipation. A God-given anticipation. Interesting. As I was doing some preparation for this, I, I thought, well, I just wonder if there's some great quotes on the internet about expectations. What do people say about the topic of having an expectation? And, you know, I was startled. I genuinely was surprised at what I found. I found it very difficult to find great um, statements about expectations and having them. In fact, the opposite's true. I found more, you know those posters that you can order online and you stick up in your office and, you know, there's something really great and motivational, like, um, you know, you can climb the highest mountain, you can, whatever it is, you know, love will never, you know, something incredibly powerful. But when it comes to expectation, look what I found. This is what I found. Expectation is the root of all heartache. Shakespeare. Shakespeare. No expectation, no disappointment. I'm thinking, this is really weird. I really need to expect less from people, is another poster I discovered. The secret of happiness is low expectations. Too much expectations leads to sadness. Now, I don't want to bring a downer on our service, and I I was reluctant to do this, start with a negative thing, but I was genuinely amazed that this is actually the sort of stuff that people buy. They spend money on these posters. These are just pulled off the internet, these little on screen here. We can see these little illustrations. Why on earth would people live like this? And why would people have this perspective? It's because they're disappointed, because they've been greatly disappointed. Now, this, this is an opportunity for us as a church. There's a lot of disappointment in our communities. There's a lot of disappointment. And you may also have had a few disappointments in your life. But um, there's a lot of disappointments out there. People are low in expectation, let me tell you, broadly speaking in society. You may know some high expectation people, but I think there's a lot of people out there with, they're really just surviving one day to the next, one week to the next, one month to the next. Their expectations are about as long as the end of their pay next month. That's about it. They're they're hoping something bad won't happen. 
They're just hoping, you know, they're hoping to keep away from cancer. They're hoping that they will, they're hoping is actually quite short term. And, and I think it's worth thinking about that this morning because we have a great expectation. We've got an enormous expectation. Actually, the issue is not about having expectations, but it's all about where you place your expectations. It's where you place them. And the truth is most of society don't know where to place their expectations. Where do they place them? They place them in the hope of a husband or a hope of a wife. And then when they get one, they wish they didn't have one (laughs) so often. And I say that because that's the way humanity seems to process stuff. You know, a prenuptial agreement. Why? Because they're not sure whether or not their expectations will be met. In other words, they go into relationship predefining the outcome. They're predefining it. Why? Because people want to be in control of their destiny. And so if they don't get what they want, their expectations aren't met and they feel disappointed. They feel that life, they're losing control over their future. So their expectations aren't met. So it's not about having expectations, but it's about where you place them. And as, a, as Christians, as believers, as followers in Christ, we have the amazing opportunity of placing our expectations wherever we want, but we get to choose to place them in Jesus Christ, in God. And that's a very good place to put your expectations. It's a very, very good place. Who's seen the film Great Expectations? It had to come up at some point early on. And I I have seen the film years ago, and I watched it again very recently. And it's interesting because there's a young guy, an orphan called Pip. And the the storyline really is about this orphan, Pip, and, um, and how he comes across an escaped convict. I don't want to ruin the story for you, but I'm going to. <laughs> uh, it's very straightforward. Dickens wrote it, 1860. Great success. Everyone in, in Britain, lots of people in Britain were talking about this, this series of stories, which was published in a periodical um, for a year, and then it went to publication. And uh, it was all about the, the change of Pip's opportunity, his great expectation. The moment in the film is that a mysterious secret benefactor comes into his world, to give him an expectation of becoming a gentleman, not having to work as a blacksmith. And it was that change of future, which is where the great expectation came. And that's where the book is called, great, why it's called Great Expectations. And, it, and it, it's interesting, back in 1860 and ever since, it's been recognised as a great, great classic piece of literature. But you know what's at the heart of this? It's about having something in your life that's going to change your future. And there are a lot of people with with stuff missing in their life. In fact, they don't know how to change their future. But the kingdom of God is so powerful. The presence of God in our world is so real that as we get close to people, as they start to see Christ in us, they start to see that there's actually another opportunity. You actually carry great expectations with you in your life just by being with people. Do you know that? And so often the mistake is that you think, well, actually, I don't make a difference. But actually, even without opening your mouth, you're making a difference. Just being with people, you're making a difference because you carry something. You have a light in your life. And the thing is, as people, we've got the opportunity of of bringing that expectation to life. It says in Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. This is God speaking. And people without God in their lives, without a real understanding of who Christ is, about understanding God's great plan, 
they don't understand that there's a great expectation put aside for them, and they just have to discover it. A great expectation. There's a benefactor, a secret benefactor. He happens to be God, the creator, the one who birthed the world and everything in it, the one who's got a route through the challenges, the pressures, the situations, the difficulties. You know, sometimes people lose expectation or don't want expectation. Why? Because they've had a long series of difficult situations in their life. They've been disappointed. Things have gone wrong. You may have got into a bad habit of presuming that that's the way it's always going to be. But you need to break the bad habit. It's not a good habit. We need to expect something different to happen in our lives. We need to expect something different. And as a church, individually, God has got a great plan for you. He's got a great plan for me. We're December 2016. We're about to go into a new year where we know the hand of God. I'm going to show you a few things as we go in this message this morning about how God right now, right here, with you, with me, is leading us and guiding us right now. It's amazing what we're enjoying, what we're seeing and what we're having. But you may have been through a lot of trouble and you're simply waiting for more to come. You're just waiting for more trouble. Let's break that. I love the way Vlad prayed this morning over the communion. We're going to break that. You know, that mindset that says, it's been trouble and there's more to come. We can break that. You just break it because that's not God's promise. God's promise is not more trouble, more difficulty, more pain. He says you will have trouble, but it's not about the trouble. It's about what lies beyond and through the trouble. It's what, what, what the thing is all about that we'll explore. It's amazing. But God is in control of everything. And he gives a lot of space for people to be people. And that's where the difficulties of the world comes in. We know that. It's that huge space of potential that God gives humanity. He gives them the choice to make decisions. And so often it's selfish. You know, I, we drove back from, where did we go yesterday? We were in Milton Keynes. We went up to Milton Keynes on Friday, Friday evening, to meet a bunch of people and, and have a Christmas meal. And uh, actually we stayed at the, the football ground of MK Don's. Amazing football ground. And we stayed in the hotel there just overnight to be with some people and, who'd come from all over the country and just to celebrate Christmas with them and then to come back. And boy, was that journey back a tough one. <laughs> and people cutting in. You know what it's like when you've been in the car for, for more than an hour or two and then someone just jumps to the front of the queue and just sticks their, their, their nose straight in, in front of you after you've been queuing. It's so frustrating, especially if you've got a cold. <laughs> and, uh, but um, expectations, you kind of know what's going to happen before it happens. But God has got a plan and an expectation. He's got a plan. He's got an expectation. Isaiah 7 verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Now this is the season we're about to celebrate. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call, and, his, and he and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Now that's what God does in our life. God gives us signs of his involvement in our lives. That's what he does. He gives us signs. He gives us signs. And the noise of the world sometimes overshadows the signs, the signs of his involvement. So look out for the signs. What are the signs? Now, if you want to experience great expectations and move yourself from frustration to optimism, then look for the signs. What are the signs of God's hand? Sometimes the immediate um, prognosis of a situation is extremely difficult, but there are signs. You've got to look for God's hand at work in your life. What are the signs? What are the signs? Isaiah wrote this 700 years before Jesus was born. God was giving anticipation of something he was about to do. If you were made by God in his image, and if he knew you before you were born, 
And if he called you by name, doesn't he have a plan for you? How could he not have a plan for you? Was his plan to say, okay, there you go, enjoy, and abandon you as orphan? In fact, the opposite is true. We become adopted as his sons. We are, we are not pips looking around for a mysterious benefactor. We become sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, of our Father in heaven, and co-heirs with Christ, brothers and sisters of Christ. That's what the scriptures tell us. We come into his family. There's no way, there's no way he's going to let you go through pain without being there and giving you a sign of his presence. He's going to give you a route through the difficulty. He's going to do it. He gives you anticipation. The Lord himself will give you a sign. And I believe that is more relevant today than it's ever been, that he is giving you a sign. He's giving your friends a sign. He's giving the signs to people in your community. And we mustn't step back. That's why I love this whole um, personal evangelism training that started in the church, that we have got, can build our confidence and, and motivate each other to, to see that actually God's giving a sign in people's lives. And, and actually part of your presence in their situation is to identify it. You know, when they followed the star, the wise men were the ones who knew what that star was leading to, but others didn't. Others didn't. They didn't understand it. There's a star in people's lives. You are the one who sees the star shining in someone's life. You can see it. You can see. You know the voice of God. In, you know, don't you? you? I know. You and I know. We know when God speaks. We understand his voice. We understand how he shapes things. And you can see it because you've experienced it. And when you're with someone, whether it's at school or college or the workplace, marketplace, the high street, the bus, the train, somewhere, you know. It doesn't take you two minutes to sit down with someone and then something will happen and you'll sense, is that God speaking? You'll know. You know. Because God gives you a sensitivity to his voice, even if it's in somebody else's world. And that's it. You can navigate the star for them. You can lead them to where God is taking them to, bring them to a place of expectation. Why not? We should do it. Isaiah 53 says, He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. So this Christmas season, our great expectation, yes, of course, the birth of Christ, but there was a purpose behind him coming to earth. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep are strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. This is truth. This is truth. This is truth that changes the world. This is truth that's changed. There's more than a billion people on our planet following Jesus Christ. Why? Because they know this. It's a great expectation. God gave it 700 years before the birth of Christ. Why would he not do the same in your life today? Why would he not be doing the same in other people's lives? It doesn't make sense. Why would God, who foretold what he was going to do, do something today like he did in the past. He would do it. And we just need to be close to him. We need to understand it. Christmas is here in three weeks' time. We've got an amazing opportunity. We should be taking every single piece of literature, every email you get from this church, and you should be bombarding your friends with invitations to be here. You should be. This is what this is all about. This is all about this piece of scripture and all the other supporting scriptures. We have got the ability to speak into someone's life, to navigate their expectations, to bring to them a hope that they didn't realise they had. It's an amazing opportunity. I heard from someone recently that in their school they've invited their friends and the friends' parents now want to come to some of our stuff over Christmas. We are 
We need to take the opportunity. This is one of the most exciting times of the year to bring people. People want to celebrate. They want to have a good expectation over Christmas. They don't want to expect Christmas to be a disaster. They don't want to have another row over Christmas dinner. Who's ever had a row over Christmas dinner? Who's ever smashed the uh, living room lights over Christmas? I have. Not intentionally. It was you know, my old wee story when I was playing tennis and smacked straight through the chandelier. It wasn't in our house. It was in my in-law's house. And they leave. They've left it up. How many years has that been up there? Damaged. Scarred. A symbol that Mark, who calls himself a pastor, was in our house. Celebrating Christmas. Destroyed, destroyed the room playing on wee tennis. Anyway, they should have another expectation. God gives anticipation. Second point then is living in expectation. Living in expectation. It's more than just anticipating it, it's now living it. Living in expectation. Ex- this is really important. God gave me this scripture about three weeks before. We made a plan that this was going to be the title of this series, and I, or a couple of weeks before. And I just, I'd never seen this in scripture before. And different versions have it in different language. But it says in 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we have been born again. We're born again. That we've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Being born again is linked to the resurrection of Christ. That's it. He raises people from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Now this is really good. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that's kept in heaven for you pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. This is more than just today. We live with great expectation, not only about what God is doing today, but about what he's prepared for the future. Look at these two things. We live with great expectation. What does it mean to say we live with great expectation? It's a living hope. Other versions, other translations use it. It's a living hope. If you look at the ESV version of this this verse, this line, it says, having a living hope. In fact, other versions use the word living hope. It's not just having a hope, because you can have a hope, it's just a daydream. You can. Will I win the lottery? Will I, you know, what will happen? A living hope, a living, is one that's alive. It's alive. How do you know it's alive? Because you see the growth on it every day. You see it growing. You see that hope growing in something. It's a living hope. So these early believers, Paul wrote this to the Corinthians. Now we live with great expectation. We have a living hope. It's not just a, a maybe one day a secret benefactor will pop up. Who knows? It might or might not happen. No, no, no. We are a room full of people who are living with a living hope, with a great expectation. We've got something that the world wants, let me tell you. They want it. They want to have confidence. They want to have confidence. What they lack is understanding. The world around us just lacks an understanding. How do I get from where I am in my frustration, my brokenness, my disappointment, how do I get from there to having a living hope? It's not all about theology. It's not all about preaching at them. It's about how do they catch an understanding of having a living hope. That's it, a living hope. And when you have a living hope, they start to see it because they see stuff growing. They see the fruitfulness of that growth in your life. They see that living hope. They see it. They have an anticipation. The message says, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for. That's what a living hope is. Everything, a great expectation is a living hope and everything to live for. That's what encourages them. That's what encourages us. How can we live a 
in the light, life of greater expectation? How can we do it? First thing, we must expect God to use us. We must expect God to use us. A living hope is you have a living hope when you expect God to use you. Everyone in this room, are you expecting God to use you? You need to move yourself from a mindset that says, he may or may not. Am I good enough? You have to expect God to use you. You have to start, the start line is expect God to, live, to use you. We must expect God to, to use us. Ask for a bigger perspective on who God is. Ask him. Ask him. Expect God to use you. The second one, you must expect God to come through for you, for us. We must expect God to come through the situation with us. We, so it's not just it's expect God to uh, use us, to work with us, to be in us, but to come through. We expect God to not only be part of the journey, but to come through with the result, to succeed, to be there. That's all, what we, where we are as a church. We have a living hope. We expect, we expect stuff to grow. We expect growth. We expect fruitfulness. I don't start my day as a leader of this church, expecting us to say the same. I never do. There is no day at all in the week that I get up and think the church is just going to stay the same. I'm expecting everything to keep changing all the time. Why? Because when it's changing, God is breathing, he's navigating, he's moving. But for a lot of people, it's frustrating. They don't like it. They, want, they don't want to expect something because they don't know how to see that expectation become a reality. They hope for that secret benefactor. But we have a living God who gives a living hope. He's in the journey and he's, he's navigating. So expect God to use us. Expect God to come through with us. And we must gain a new experience of God. We've got to. If you are not in a place where you're very satisfied with where things are at, you need to gain a new experience of God. You have to. You have to put yourself into a place where the experience is new for you. Don't say, I've been a Christian for 10 years. I've been in this church for 30 years. I've, I've been, you, I gave my life to Christ when I was seven, and now I'm 77. And it's all, You've got to have a new experience of God. You've got to. It's new every morning. The great expectation is a new experience on a daily basis. It's that new experience, that regular, that regular new experience. That new experience will give you a great expectation. If you don't have a new experience, you won't have a great expectation. And you'll be, you'll be caught up in all the other stuff. Jeremiah 17 says, well, before I go there, a desert is a place without expectation. It's interesting, isn't it? A desert, a desert is a place where nothing grows. And when there's no expectation, nothing grows. In fact, stuff tends to die, doesn't it? When there's no expectation. Jeremiah, oh, hang on a second. Living in expect, and in fact, we expect to die. This is what Paul said. We expect to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves. I used this verse a few months ago. We expected to die. This is what Paul said on his, to the Corinthians. And he's talking about the journey of mission. We just come out of movement of multiplication three. But Paul says, as a result, we stop relying on ourselves and learn to rely only on God, who raises the dead. Verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 1. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him. And he will continue to rescue us. That is a living hope. See, the trial. The trial's massive. The trial there is life and death. The trial is, am I going to get through this ordeal? But the knowledge of learning to place our trust in God, learning to rely on him, is massive. 
A great expectation comes from learning to rely on God. It's the learning process, learning to rely on Him. Learning to rely on Him. Jeremiah 17.7 says, this is in the Amplified, and I very rarely use the Amplified because it has all these little brackets in it and these little, little extra comments, but it's helpful. Jeremiah 17.7 says, Blessed with spiritual security is the man who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confident expectation is the Lord. Blessed is someone. Blessed, do you see it? Expectation is a precursor to God's blessing. How does that work? Doesn't God just bless without us being too involved? Well, he does. But blessed with spiritual security is the man who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confident expectation is in the Lord. There's a blessing attached to having a great expectation. There's a blessing. God's blessing is in that place. We bring ourselves into a new experience, a new area of trust. Rick Warren, I love Rick Warren's um, books. If you want God to use you, you need to expect him to do so. Interesting, isn't it? He'll do as much in your life as you expect him to do. No more, no less. Now, that's a pretty bold statement. And you may say, well, God's sovereign. He can do way more than I could ever hope, ask, or imagine. It's true. But your expectations, if they are short-term, if they are non-existent, if they are... Because actually, expectation and faith are very closely aligned, aren't they? And faith is where the trigger points are. We need to have that expectation. So the first point is having a God-given anticipation, then living in expectation. And finally, raising our expectations. Raising our expectations. You can lift your expectations wherever you are right now. And as a church, that's exactly what we're doing. We have got a high expectation of this Christmas and next year. Amen? Amen. Who agrees with me? Yes, we do. We've got a high expectation. And I know it's in your heart because I, I hear it from you all the time. In the congregation, in the prayer meeting, it was great to hear a testimony this morning of a visitor in the prayer meeting who just felt God's presence so powerfully. They were emailing and sending messages to people in other countries uh, about the presence of God in the prayer meeting on Wednesday. Wednesday night, God's presence is in this place. God's presence is here. God's presence is here. He is raising our expectations. Why? Because he has got a great plan for us. He has got a massive plan for us. He is raising our expectations as a group. The Lord waits, expect, this is fantastic. Again, amplified, just to make the verses longer. Amplified, Isaiah 30. This is all 700 years before Christ. The Lord waits expectantly and longs to be gracious to you. And therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice, blessed, brackets, happy, fortunate, are those who long for him since he, has ne- he will never fail them. This is what Isaiah wrote 700 years before Christ. So 2,700 years ago. And God is doing this today. It's in our experience. It's what we are seeing. It's what we, what we experience in, in this church today. God waits expectantly and longs to show us and show you, show me his grace. He's longing to show it. He wants us to live in that place of great expectation. A living hope, lifting ourselves up. And we do it together. We don't just do it in isolation. That's why as we move into the new year, we'll talk more about the new dynamics of small groups. Really exciting. The power of the volunteer you know, opportunities in the church are just immense. You know, when I think about it, I listened to Vlad this morning. He said 146 volunteers in the church. 
Why are there not 300? Why? Why do we not have 300 volunteers here? We have 400 to 500 people involved in the life of this church on a regular basis. How come there's only 150? To my mind, it's because I know people are busy. But there's an opportunity in serving God's immense purpose that we get blessed through. And God blesses what he's doing. You know, that's just God's way of doing things. But God's got a promise for this church, let me tell you. I want to remind you. Vlad and I were talking with Adam during the week. And he reminded me, he said, God's got, we've got, we're in such a great place because he's given us an expectation and a promise. And it's the Isaiah 37:30 promise that we know God gave to us as a church. Do you remember that? It's so amazing. We, because things are growing all the time, we, we move forward and we almost forget that God was already saying this is what was going to happen. And it said in Isaiah 37:30, this year you will eat only what grows up by itself. And that's what happened. 2014, over 110 people gave their lives to Christ in this church. 110 first-time responses for, to Christ. Many, many people got baptised in this church in 2010. And we were doing baptisms occasionally. Remember that? We're doing baptisms occasionally. It says, and in the next year you'll eat what springs up from that. And that's what we did. The year after... Others were coming in and coming to faith and we were discovering things and growing in ministry opportunities. Pebbles, for example, went from being around 10 or 12 people with some kids to over 110. We've gone from having um, um, just English being presented in this congregation to having four languages at times. French, Portuguese, Italian, Spanish. And even the other day I heard that someone who's not even saved was in our congregation translating into Japanese for visitors who came and we're Japanese speakers. It's just, I'm thinking, stuff is springing up. Do you see what's happening? Stuff is springing up. But in the third year, you will plant crops and harvest them. You will tend vineyards and eat their fruit. This is where we are right now. You, in the third year, you'll plant crops and harvest them. So every, year, every month this year, we've seen people baptised. We we're planning to baptise again on December the 18th. And we have somebody to be baptised. Isn't that amazing? Every month this year, the first time in my living memory of this church, we have at least one person, if not more, to be baptised. And there are four, five, or even six now ready for next year who are in the process of considering being baptised right now. Amazing what God is doing. Lift our expectation. Raise our expectation. If God is doing this through us, what's he going to do in your personal world? He's not going to say, you know, God wants to... I don't want to go down the commercial route here, but if God is going to expand us, he's going to do it through you. He's not going to do it through me. I mean, I'm part of it, but it's going to be through us. You watch what's going to happen to you next year. Your relationships are going to change. There's going to be a growth in relationships. There's going to be an increase in opportunity for you to meet people. There's going to be an increase in you seeing the lost saved. Personally, you will see your investment of time produce a return. You will see your investment in your finances that God gives you he'll probably give you more than you need right now because he needs to release it through you. But it's all, you know, when we give, we give because he wants to give through us. He wants our faith to grow because finances are so often linked right into where our heart is. God says, well, I'll give you some more finance. What are you going to do with what you've got? Are you going to release that? Are you going to pass it through? Are you going to bring it into kingdom? Are you going to, are you going to, are you going to enable what I want to plant, plant? So this year, what's going to happen as we go forward? We know a few of the things. We've got crops to plant. It doesn't say one crop. You'll plant crops. Well, what crops are we going to plant as we go forward? We're going to plant small groups. We're going to increase personal evangelism. 
We're going to have a giveaway at the end of this service. We did it last week, but many of you, your month end has now come, and you can, now you can give something. And so your opportunities today, or maybe you were away last week, but we've got this new debt centre opportunity um, to collaborate with five churches locally. That's a seed. That's planting a seed. That's a financial cost of doing it, but it's a planted seed. We have new mentoring opportunities opening up right now. The police have contacted us, and they've asked us, would we like to be involved in working with, with people who've come through the tough side of life and they've come into contact with, would we like to be part of a trial mentoring program to roll out to other churches? That's interesting, isn't it? Do we have the capacity to step up? Do we have the capacity to resource a debt centre? Do we have the capacity to, to exploit the food bank that we've been running for 10, 15 years in this place? Do we have it? Do we have the, what's going to change in our life to increase our capacity? Something's going to have to change. We've got to see with a higher and increased expectation. We're going to move to three services. What a brilliant opportunity. What an opportunity to, to extend. I know we have space in here, but just because we've got space in here doesn't mean to say we've got to stay where we are. I'm going to increase and we're together going to create an opportunity for God to do stuff. We're creating space so God can fill it. Second service will be closer to the first service and then the third will come in on the back of that. And we will still have a fourth service on occasions when we have earthquake and when we have special celebration events. So on some Sundays there might be four services. Can you imagine that? You're saying, oh man, I need a life. You do need a life. But anyway, sort it out. <laughs> but you know, what can we do next year? We baptised, hopefully, hopefully, every month this year. Could we ever go to twice a month? Could we do that? What is stopping us baptising twice a month? Tell me. We own our facilities. We've got the right to use it as we want. You own the gospel. It's in your heart. It's your friends. It's my... What's stopping us? You tell me. What's stop... Why can't we baptise every week? Why can't we? Why can't we? You tell me why we can't. I say it to our teams all the time. We own our site. This site was paid for by our predecessors 40 years ago. This site has no debt. We are the beneficiaries of a whole generation that went before us, who, who sweated. This building's been extended three times, not by me and not by you, by a generation before you. What are we doing for the next generation? What are we doing? Where's our expectation? Are you going to wait for next Sunday to come along and pep you up? Get into our minds. We've got to get ownership of the expectation God's giving us. We've got to have a bigger expectation. It's a living hope. We are going to plan to extend this building. We have to, somehow. And we've got a team now starting to work on that because we've got to do it this year because the other building projects around us are too slow to map into what we want to do. What is stopping us? Us is stopping us. Why? Because us have got too small an expectation. We have not got a great expectation. We've got a small expectation. And we need a bigger one. If your community around you, your road, your neighbours, your colleagues, the people you work with, the people you visit, the people you go to the gym with, the people in your sports world, the people you do life with, you need to be a bigger expectation for them. And you can do it. And by the way, where is the blessing? When you have a great expectation. That's where the blessing comes. The greater your expectation, 
the great and the blessing. How does that work? I think we can step up to it, don't you? I think we should. We owe it to God, but we owe it to ourselves. We have got the most amazing, amazing opportunity to reach the lost. To reach the lost. You know, if we, as we go forward, I reckon other churches will send lost people to us because they know they'll respond to the gospel here because they feel God's presence. Why don't we just push ourselves a little bit further to reach those around us, to be strong and committed in evangelism? Worship team, why don't you join me so we can have a, a song and think about this. It's exciting. God trusts you so much. He trusts you with his treasure. He trusts you with his wealth. He trusts you with his gospel. He trusts you fully with what he's got. He trusts you. Dave, carry on just playing there. He trusts you. He trusts you. God's given us a great expectation. What does it mean? The scripture says, plant, harvest, tend, enjoy the fruit. Plant, harvest, tend, enjoy. That's the kingdom pattern of great expectations. Plant, harvest, tend. Plant, find somewhere to stick those seeds in your life. Find somewhere to put them. And I know you guys are doing a great, great job. Otherwise, we wouldn't be enjoying what we're doing. You are doing a great, great job in your world. But I want to have a... Don't you want a bigger expectation? I want to have a bigger, bigger expectation of God. My God is much bigger than me. I need to put myself into a place where I'm stretched by Him. That's where I want to be, a place of being stretched. I want to plant. I want to see some of these new initiatives for next year happen. I want to see a harvest. We don't plant expecting no harvest. We expect a harvest. We expect a harvest of souls. We expect how many people next year? How many people got saved this year? How many people got baptised this year? Could we double it next year? Yes, we can. Nothing, there's nothing, nothing, nothing stopping us. Nothing, 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 nothing. There's nothing stopping us. Everything, God has given us everything we need to multiply. He's given us everything. And then we can tend it and enjoy it because you'll be full of joy when you see the changes in the lives of people around you. Praise God. We're going to have a song now. We're going to sing one song and then we're going to do the giveaway offering. But think about this this morning. I know you're a great, great church and we love God with all our hearts but he's going to do more than we ever hoped, asked or imagined as we go into next year. Stand with me as we sing this song.